This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 6am on Friday, the 9th of September. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar in studio today with Keith Kam and Wong Xiaoning. We're going to be taking you all the way up to 10am this morning. Now, we did wake up to some uh, sad news overnight. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II, the reigning monarch of the United Kingdom, has passed away. At the age of 96, uh, we'll, have, we'll have a bit of a discussion on her legacy and what her reign was like uh, throughout the day, I'm sure. Uh, but in the meantime, let's give you a quick update or a preview of what we have lined up this morning. At uh, 7.15, you can now register to become an organ donor on the MySajatra app. And I did that late yesterday evening. It is super easy. I would recommend everybody take some time to do it. It doesn't take more than two minutes. And... Because of it, we are going to speak to Dr. Hasdi Harun from the National Transplant Resource Centre on the importance of organ donation for good medical outcomes. And then at 7.30, palm oil prices have declined significantly from the peak highs of 6,300 ringgit earlier this year. And this has major significance, uh, especially Malaysia being the world's second largest uh, palm oil producer and, you know, all our Absolutely. our smallholders. So we discussed the factors impacting the outlook for this edible oil with Alvin Tai of Bloomberg Intelligence. And then later on at 7.45, uh, we're going to discuss a uh, Nagara's MPC committee meeting outcome. They have raised interest rates by 25 bips yesterday, bringing the OPR to 2.5%. We'll discuss the implications of monetary policy tightening on the economy with UOB economist Julia Go. All this and more today on The Morning Run. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Fleetwood Mac with Dreams. You are listening to The Morning Run at 6.06am on Friday, the 9th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar, together with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. Now, we woke up this morning to the news that Queen Elizabeth II has passed away at Balmoral Castle, her Scottish residence. She was 96 years old and she reigned as monarch for the past 70 years. Earlier this year, we celebrated her, I'm not sure, was it her platinum jubilee? Yeah, her platinum. I happened to be in London at that time, actually. It was time of celebration. I remember yeah. the concerts that went um, that, that went on outside the outside Buckingham Palace on the Mall. Yeah, it yeah. was a v- it was a grand celebration that took place over many many days in the United Kingdom. I think it was uh, it was almost a festival too, to of her reign. So seventy years of it, she ascended the throne in when she was just twenty five years old, and there were very there were a lot of questions about whether she was ready because you know it was a different era altogether then, right? Uh, and she was a woman on top of it. Mm. She had just got married, and people were like, is she the right woman to 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 do this? You know, at this time, and I think UK had just come out of the war, so it was in a vulnerable place trying to rebuild themselves uh, post war. And imagine she has been through fifteen prime ministers. Starting with Winston Churchill. That's right. Her Until la- Liz Truss. That, that was her last official ago. duty, right? Appointing Liz Truss as the new Prime Minister. And I think the ages of the Prime Minister, at least the dates they were born, spanned from like Winston Churchill in the 1870s to Liz Truss in the 1970s. So that just is just another example of how long she's witnessed uh, the events of history happening. I think it's also quite fitting that they call this the second Elizabethan era. Um, and 
she she was an error. She set um, the tone for a, a lot of things that that we we are uh, experiencing today as well. Yeah, I think the other thing to to bear in mind is that she was an extremely hardworking royal, and I don't think that we can dispute that. Until she turned eighty five, she was still doing something like. 325 engagements a year. I mean, this is That's, basically working every day, right? Well, oh, yeah, almost yeah. one a day. One a day. Added to that is that she used to travel until she turned something like 87 years old and then she just stopped and uh, it became too much for her. She has visited every Commonwealth country, including mm-hmm. Rwanda that joined, I think, in the 1980s. And even she has come to Malaysia three times, 1972, 1989 and 1998. So in 1972, she was here as part of the tour of several countries in the region. In 1989, she was in Langkawi for the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. And finally, in 1998, when we hosted uh, the Commonwealth ceremonies, she was here for the closing of it. I remember so hardworking, her, right? Yeah. Very hardworking royal. I, I do remember her visit in 1998 uh, because I was I was actually caught in traffic when her convoy went went past, and I was like, oh, you know, uh, that was that sense of awe, I guess. You know, <laughs> it's not often that you see the someone, queen. the queen, uh, yeah. And I, I think the one thing that 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 struck me uh, about the queen is the fact that she has, uh, over her seventy plus years of reign, uh, remained neutral. You know, um, like uh, Shaolin told me just before coming on air that she has the best poker face in the world. Her politics remain a mystery, mm. right? Nobody really knows which side she leans Nobody. left or right. We, it's, she's we, been very uh, focused on just been ensuring that she is impartial and neutral and really just representative of all of Britain. Yeah, we don't know whether she was pro-Brexit or against Brexit. We have no clue whether she's conservative, Labour. We don't know any of her political leanings. And I think that has ensured her survival for 70 years, right? She stayed above it all. Now, I think what is the next question is, what is the reign of King Charles III going to be like? Because he's now officially the King of England. That's right. And I think uh, I didn't realise how many changes will have to take place now that um, King Charles is the king. They'll have to print new banknotes, for example, to replace the face of the queen on it. There'll be new stamps issued as well. Um, 70 years is a really long time to be known as um, the figurehead of a country. So I think King Charles definitely has big shoes to fill. Yeah, he issued his first statement um, and it's the first statement where he signs off as from His Majesty the King and he basically said that we mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much love mother. Uh, so apparently what's going to happen, he might actually come um, visiting the Commonwealth States again because he's the new king. And he's a little bit different from his mother. He has been a little bit more outspoken. And some of the causes he adopted earlier on have been actually causes that we actually focus on. A lot of ESG. Mm. People say he might be a little bit more upfront in terms of his political leanings or at least his, uh, what his interests are compared to his mother. I also remember him being quite vocal about the uh, Penan people in Sarawak at one time. So... It'll be interesting to see where this leads uh, from, from, from this day on. It is 6.11 in the morning. Uh, we're heading into some messages. We'll come back in a bit with more discussions. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. It's 6.17 in the morning on Friday the 9th of September. And that's a really apt song to go into the next uh, discussion that we're going to have. Uh, it can be quite fun to read about the quirky habits of wildly successful people. On my part, uh, Rafael Nadal, for example, is notorious for the way he lines up his 
water bottles at the side of the court before he wins some amazing tennis match, you know, uh, for example. And um, experts describe this pattern of behavior as superstitious learning, which is down to the brain seeking connections between two events. So if, for example, if I wear a red shirt today and I really uh, blow uh, a presentation that I've made, I've blown it away and everyone's so impressed, I might start to think, oh, red. If I wear red, I'll make good presentations. And hence, I will always wear red when I make a presentation. That's sort of the idea of superstitious learning. Um, Do you have any such rituals or know of people who do have some quirk of habit that they attribute their success to? Before we go into that, though, I I, want to say like uh, things like, you know, Rafael Nadal being notorious for the way he lines up his water bottles at the side of the court. Bill Gates preferring to have yellow legal pads. Beethoven wanting to count 60 coffee beans for each cup of coffee. I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, but could this be some form of obsessive compulsive behavior, which is, you know, a mental health issue, a real mental health issue? Um, I, I mean, well, I mean, superstition aside, this, this could be um, signs of a larger problem, don't you think? It could. I mean, we didn't have the language for OCD back then, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with Rafael Nadal, yes. But for <laughs> Charles Dickens, or who was known to carry around a compass to ensure that he always slept facing north because he felt that sleeping facing north would improve his writing or is, is you know he attributes good writing to that. I mean, maybe it was a form of OCD of some sort. Uh, all these things, mental health awareness has definitely come up more recently and that maybe has given us a language to identify uh, what this could be be. But um, I think others might really just be more benign because it is human nature to uh, want to look for patterns, I think, to want to make connections to what to what good things are out there. You see it often in Mm. sports athletes. You know, they have a lucky shirt or they have a lucky sandwich that they must have before a certain match. And if they don't do that, they just feel out of sorts. They're like, oh, no, I'm not on my game because I haven't eaten my lucky tomato or something. I think it's also just uh, something you do that builds confidence because it's a pattern thing, right? So Mm -hmm. you must have done this and then as a result, you achieved what you wanted and then you begin to see a pattern in your brain. So you tell yourself psychologically, if I continue to do this again and again and again, I will achieve the outcome that I want. And it's, it's repetitive, right? So you keep repeating that success and then it forms in your head. So I have some, I won't call it superstitions, but I have some patterns of behavior that I notice I do again and again and again. And as a result of it, I do feel better that I can achieve something. One of which is that you all know this quite well. When I prep my breakfast grill, I always have 17 questions. I do not know why. (laughs) And, you, you know, I really have no clue, but it is always 17 questions. And if you look at my dog, you will find the magic number 17 there. And it's not like I ask 17 questions, you know. But I just feel, okay, if I can craft 17 questions, I am ready for this breakfast grill. It will be okay. That's a perfect example of what superstitious learning could be. Um, And coming back to your point about how habits build confidence, I'm thinking that, you know, some habits, it really makes sense that it will make you better. Like, for example, if you are terrible at math, but you, uh, you memorize the multiplication tables and you practice that every day, that is going to improve um, your memory or your uh, master mastery of multiplication tables. But I guess other habits are just a little bit less 
it doesn't the connection doesn't it's not as tangible like Rafael Nadal arranging his water bottles on the court that has nothing to do with his ability to smash a tennis racket no, you know? no but no. it's the psychology behind it right yeah. you just feel much better it just builds confidence yeah. yeah and then I think you know all of us have some form of superstition that maybe we're not really even aware of that we take for granted for example uh, for me I must have you know like a cup of coffee before I go on air I cannot imagine not having that. Of course, the caffeine does really help, but it just says t- sends a signal to my brain: "You're ready, Shawnee. You're ready to go on air." You know, all the my superstition of exercising at three twenty in the morning. I mean, one thing is of course the time, but then I tell myself, "Oh, I'm ready for the day, no matter what comes." Right? I've got my adrenaline pumping. I'm here. So it could just be things that we do almost without thinking. When do you think these kinds of superstitions or habits backfire? Because all what we're talking when about is pretty obsessive. benign. When it becomes obsessive. Okay, yeah. so for me, you all know I'm crazy, right? I do have to exercise. But sometimes it, it, it is, I've slept very little the night before. Very little, like four hours. And I still do it. And I'm sure it is not good for my health. Probably the extra one hour of sleep is probably more beneficial than the 45 minutes of a workout. But for whatever reason, right, if, if I don't do it, I feel like the day will be terrible. So that's maybe the OCD in me. Or maybe you are just a creature of routine because, yeah. I mean, I am a creature of r- routine as well. Um, like, you know, when, when I prep for my breakfast grill, in my mind, I know it's supposed to go in two parts and uh, I need to know what goes in part one and part two, which will flow into part uh, in, uh, in, into into the rest of the of the in- interview. Um, things like uh, prepping for, uh, prepping for uh, a press event that I'm going for. I will always do a certain amount of research on the person I in, I will be expecting to meet. But it's all just part of a routine that I've just gotten so used to that if you throw me off my game, I'm literally at, at a You're at a lost. Loss. Yeah. Like today, I don't have my notebook. It's oh, okay. no. What colour is it? What colour is your notebook? Does, oh, no, I, just forgot to char- I just forgot to charge it. That's all. And I'm, I'm literally kicking myself mentally inside. Technological <laughs> notebook. Yes. Okay. Understood. Tell us what you think. Do you have any quirky habits that you feel um, keep you lucky? You know, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin. We'll come back with a look at the global headlines. Here's Oasis with Champagne Supernova to take you to the news. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. That was the Electric Light Orchestra with Last Train to London. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. It is uh, 6.41 on on Friday. Yes, it is Friday, the 9th of September. Uh, in breaking news overnight, uh, we're looking at global headlines at this time of day, of course. Uh, in breaking news overnight, Queen Elizabeth II has passed away at the age of 96. And 2022 will be marked both by her Platinum Jubilee celebrations, as well as her funeral, which is expected to take place some 10 days in 10 days' time. Yeah, it's going to be a long, well, for the United Kingdom, right? So they've got a 10-day mourning period. There'll be a banking holiday. Uh, and I think the next question, of course, is what kind of reign will King Charles III be like? Um, he's rather different from his mother. He has, he's, he's a little bit more vocal. He's known to have social causes, which I think, to be fair to him, were rather radical in his day, but have become very mainstream today, which is about the environment, about indigenous people, about organic farming. Those are his type of social, social causes. So it'll be interesting to see what, what what are his first actions as a monarch. Actually, I before we get to that, I I was um, 
I, I don't think any one of any one of us has lived through um, the the death of uh, of. Uh, any king or queen of of Britain? No, no, right? because she's been around for seventy <laughs> exactly. years. She yeah. has been so, fifteen yeah. prime ministers yeah. since so I, the independence am, of Malaya. I, I am really interested to 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 know, um, you know, to to uh, witness the pomp and uh, circumstance of of uh, what her funeral, the royal funeral, will actually look like. The tributes that will be pouring in mm. uh, that will be on September eighteenth. That's right, and I I think that would be something to 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 watch and. You know, for any one of us uh, in the Commonwealth who has been um, touched by uh, Her Majesty would would probably be moved watching it as well. Well, her coffin will be actually um, put in the middle of Westminster Hall, and then it will be open for the public to the public for twenty three hours a day until her funeral. Oh, there will be a lane rest. Yeah. I think on the whole, and the royal family isn't without its controversies, it isn't without its many challenges over the years, but I think on the whole, um, she leaves behind a legacy in which um, the British public do uh, generally think well of her and and her years of service. I think she'll be mostly remembered for her strong sense of duty. Um, And earlier we were talking, Xiaoning, about how she's worked for nearly every single day of the year up until she was the age of 87. Yeah, uh, she worked, three, she had 325 public engagements a year till her mid-80s. You cannot deny she was extremely hardworking. Very for, dedicated to her duty. For me, um, I think it's the stability she gives uh, Britain and the Commonwealth um, on, on, on the whole. The fact that she does not uh, favour any political party or she does not express, uh, at least she doesn't express her, her uh, favouritism to any political political party or any particular issue. I think that's the stability that uh, most countries need. I think she really held true to the fact that uh, the monarch isn't meant to to take any side. Uh, she tried very hard to stay within that lane, essentially. Um, and as you mentioned, Xiaoding, it's going to be interesting to see whether future monarchs will also keep that same um, I guess, path, given uh, just the mm-hmm. different political views that have come out. Perhaps younger generations have also become more political. Uh, we'll start to see that, I suppose. And we will be speaking more about this later on when we uh, have Professor Chandran Kukatas from the Singapore Management University. Uh, we'll get him to uh, you know, give us his take on the legacy of Queen Elizabeth II. That's happening after the breakfast grill. Uh, quickly, though, some headlines that have caught your eye this morning. Uh, what do you have in front of you right now? Well, uh, Ukraine claims that it's gained a significant um, in, uh, significant part of the country back in counter-offensive against Russia. This is reported in the Financial Times. So military victories in the Kharkiv region come as Moscow focuses on defending occupied, occupied areas in the south. You know, the, this is like a war that just keeps on grinding on, right? And doesn't seem like there's going to be peace achieved anytime soon. So I think, you know, both sides are going to be just stuck into this on-the-ground warfare for quite a some time. But I think there's also news coming out of ECB that they've raised rates at a record 75 basis points to now 1.25% as they too fight inflation. Hmm. What caught my eye is actually there's been encouraging new data on a malaria vaccine from Oxford University. And this is, of course, uh, great for countries with mosquito-borne diseases like like, like ours. Um, the World Health Organization has already endorsed this malaria vaccine called Mosquirix and it's made by GSK. Very encouraging news indeed. It's 6.46 in the morning. We're heading into some messages and we'll come back with a look at what's making the headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, that was Vertical Horizon with everything you want. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Kam and Wong Shaoning. It's that time of morning where we take a look at what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Uh, Keith, what's, uh, what's making the headlines? Um, I'm impressed with the star, to be honest. Uh, it carried news of Queen Elizabeth II's death on its uh, front page. It's all um, somber and black and grey. It's an achievement considering she passed at around 1.30am this morning and they usually go to print at around 3am. So Mm. that fast turnover, hats off guys. Uh, Maybe they had a folder ready. <laughs> also, uh, they didn't. They, well, I mean, yeah, it, 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 you would have to be like really, really prepared mm-hmm. for this one. Um, NSD is highlighting the lifting of the mask mandate, and they are being very cautious because it's also asking if there are enough safeguards in place with COVID cases still on the rise. Sina Haryan has an exclusive on tourism package scams, especially since there's all this revenge traveling going on, and you know people are just going left, right, and center booking their their, their trips. Utusan Malaysia front page is um I mean, it's something that, that, that I notice all the time I'm down Jalan Pudu that I saw that's in front of Tungshin Hospital next to Pudu Raya, Plaza Rakyat. That, oh, the unfinished building for 20 over years. That huge mosquito breeding yeah. ground. Yeah, 25 years. So they are asking the question whether this project should uh, continue, somebody should redevelop it, mm. or it should just be... Torn down. Uh, torn down completely. But I... Well, I mean, I we, we we have heard that there was going to be some redevelopment there uh, over and over and over again, but nothing seems to be moving. Yeah, okay. Um, I've got some news, business news coming out from the COH Morning Brief, and that is PM insurers win appeal against MyCC decision on discounts for vehicle repairs. Remember, I, we've actually talked about this on the show. So mm-hmm. to recap, MyCC had ruled that PM, which is the Persatuan Insurance Arm Malaysia, uh, had and its 22 members had infringed Section 4 of the Competition Act in that the parties had agreed into agreement excuse me, on the application of trade discounts on parts and prices and hourly labour rates for motor vehicle repairs by workshops. So now apparently it is it has won the appeal. And this was actually something that Bang Nagara was in favour of, uh-huh. having a better system, a flat rate, uh, rather than discretionary pricing and discretionary charges. And speaking of Bank Nagara, we also have news from yesterday coming out of the MPC uh, committee meeting. Uh, Bank Nagara has hiked uh, interest rates by 25 bips, bringing the uh, overnight policy rate to 2.5%. Um, just for reference, it was 3% before the pandemic. So it's steadily going up to that level. Uh, when we'll reach there, we don't know. I think uh, analysts are split as to whether we'll see another rate hike this year or not. I think the jury one is still meeting, out on right, that. In November, mm-hmm. that's yeah, one a possibility. Um, I think we really have to see what the Fed is up to. But Jerome Powell has dug his heels in as of last night. He just basically said there's no turning back when it comes to raising rates. They'll do what it takes. So I think it'll be interesting. We'll have that conversation with Julia Go at uh, 7.45. Indeed. And maybe I could turn our attention to politics because I do see some political headlines uh, going around regarding Muda's um, uh, interest in joining Pakatan Harapan. I think there's a lot of push and pull on that. There are some parties within uh, Harapan that are in favour. Uh, I think Malaysia Kiri carries an interview with uh, DAP, uh, DAP President Anthony Locke, uh, or Secretary General, I'm sorry, Sec Gen of DAP Anthony Locke. He seems to be in favour of considering their membership, but uh, I think other members of PKR are less uh, enthusiastic about this. And we will have uh, we will have something related yeah. on the Breakfast Grill. Yeah, you know what? I'm looking forward to the interview with uh, Nick Nasby. 
Kabi, who is the Satya Wangsa MP, he he'll be he's coming. He's also in. the vice president of one of the new uh, four new vice right? presidents. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's uh, he's really cut his teeth on, on on politics. He's been in the in the scene for twenty years. I he's young, forty years old, is young by yeah. political standards. <laughs> and um, I I definitely want to know from him uh, what's going on with uh, Muda uh, applying to join Pakatan Harapan. What he thinks about it as well. Okay, and uh, staying on political, well, somewhat political news is our former Malaysian Prime Minister Datu Sri Najib Razak. Of course, we know he's being sentenced to uh, jail for 12 years uh, for under the SRC case. So um, it's come out in Utusan, Malaysia. They reported, citing two sources, that basically he is serving his sentence alone in a jail cell for high security prisons. He has a fan in his cell, takes cold showers and is served food five times a day with the same dishes, uh, same meal, sorry, dished out to other prisoners. And it's he's in an isolation cell though to maintain the security in the prison and for uh, the Prime Minister's safety also, ex-Prime Minister's safety also. Related to that as well, uh, there was a statement coming out of the Dewan Negara, from the Dewan Negara Speaker's Office saying that uh, Najib still remains Pekan MP, uh, mainly because one, his... Um, his pardons, royal pardons appeal is still in progress and he's also filed a judicial review of, his, of the federal court uh, decision on his case. Although I think another interesting point to note is perhaps if we've got time, you can check out the interview with uh, former Attorney General Tommy Thomas that Malaysia Kini did. Um, they discussed with him sort of the pardons process and uh, Tommy Thomas feels that Dr. Uh, Srinajit uh, maybe will not have that process go so quickly. Uh, check that out if you've got the time. It's an interesting read. 6.56 in the morning, we are heading into the 7 a.m. news bulletin. Uh, and after that, we'll take a look at how global markets closed overnight. Taking you to the news is Cream with I Feel Free, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.